listening to the Hackett Racket with Michael Hackett. Boom! What is happening, old people? How you doing? How you getting on in this corona craziness, this corona lockdown? Oh my God, Michael, I'm fucking sick of it. Yeah, man, me too. I am going nuts in this house now, man. I'm still not going to paint the lounge, sack it. I'm just going to live with yellow. <laughs> just going to deal with it. I'm like, look, lady, just enjoy yellow. Let it bring out your inner glow. <laughs> Fucking hell. Man, it's driving me crazy. i got to be honest, this corona lockdown is driving me fucking nuts. This is like day 59 in the UK lockdown. Sorry about my accent's bad there. But you know what I mean? Jesus. You, feel, you know what they should do? They should do a Big Brother version of the coronavirus. 20 people in a house, one of them's infected. <laughs> How mean would that be? Day 14, some of the housemates are developing symptoms. Samuel is hiding in the diary room. Why are you in the diary room, Samuel? Because everyone is fucking shedding. Shedding is the term as well. When you're passing on the flu, which I don't get. Like if the symptom was shitloads of dandruff, then it'd make sense. Shedding, I'd be like, yep, that's an appropriate word to use. I'm shedding shitloads. You know, fucking powder everywhere and you're just vacuuming it up. Stop fucking shedding. Or if you're a snake, snakes with a corona just shedding like shit once a year. I'm just going to leave my coat over there. What the fuck, mate? I don't know, man. Day 59, one of the housemates has developed a dry cough. <laughs> this two-meter rule as well, this is, this is doing me heading. Like, I respect it, man. I go in, in the supermarket trying to keep two metres and shit, but some people, you just get these dickheads that just walk right up to you. I was there, like, picking jam for my toast, right? Proper essential item, bit of jam. Get a bit of fucking jam on yourself, lad. And this, like, guy was just right next. I thought, mate, can you wait a second? Jam's not toilet paper. It's not going to sell out. Just hang back two metres and I'll be out your way. Fucking... I did it. I faked a dry cough just to see if he'd back off. He did as well, man. Cacked his pants. I felt like just going, look, fella, I'm fucking shedding. Start rubbing my hair. Get some dandruff out of it. Look at that. See that fella? Shedded. You need to back off, man. Move to the cookie dough aisle or something. But yeah, man, this corona's crazy. Day by day, this thing is changing, man. I don't know what's going on with the world. I've heard that in China in November, they were welding people into the houses, man. This is what I'm, this is what I'm hearing. That's what I'm hearing on the grave, man. They're welding. New about it, Michael. They're welding people in. I don't know what the truth is, right? But imagine government officials coming around your house and welding you into your apartment. Fuck me, would that not be the scariest shit in the world? Just fucking people turn up with a blowtorch. And they're going, the door's made of wood! The door's made of wood! And they're just setting fire to it and shit. <sighs> Stay in your house. Imagine that. Imagine if you lived in the top of a high-rise. And you know that the dude downstairs is a massive pisshead who loves nothing more than to come home, having spent 24 hours on the lash, and then start cooking himself some chips and falling asleep whilst the chip vats on. That is the classic number one fire and you're upstairs welded into your fucking house. See, there's times like that you just buy yourself three drones, like one strapped to each arm, one strapped to your ass, and just fucking go, sack this, man. I'm going to fly out like some tri-helicopter or some shit. I don't know, man. China's crazy, though, I've got to say. I've been to Beijing. People there spit all over the streets. Like, that's just standard. Like, the, the buses and stuff, the bus drivers have the window wound down just hocking all over the road. Because the pollution's so bad. You just see them just... And you're like, how the hell have they managed to contain this corona so well? Are these statistics correct? I don't fucking know. But Jesus, man. The one good thing the Chinese do have is clean asses. I'm basing that on a toilet that I use there, man. I've never seen anything like it. It had like a heated seat, which... First of all, I don't buzz off because it just feels like someone's been sat on your toilet. But then, this arm comes out 
under your arsehole, sprays a load of water there, and then uh, sprays hot air to dry it. And I was like, when it first happened, I got such a shock. I was like, what the fuck is that? Fucking dry, clean ass. But I gotta say, man, thank you, Chinese people. It's all me good. My ass was like, honestly, could have walked down a catwalk backwards. <laughs> oh man, I'm a sucker for technology, man. I've been, I've been, because I'm so bored now. Like when you do stand-up comedy, man, you drive all over the place. Like last year, I did like 28,000 miles in a year. That's like similar to what a lorry driver does. Like I even did a gig once in Plymouth. Imagine playing Plymouth, going from Brighton to Plymouth to play and then come back again one night. Like I got home five in the morning and the birds were singing and shit. And I was just like, what? I thought, why am I driving this far? So the big fantasy when you're driving two, three in the morning is to have a car that will drive itself. So like Tesla is my dream car right now. Here's the things where you can do, in fact, if you want a day out that costs nothing once all this corona like stopped is you can book a test drive in a Tesla, man. And I've done this twice now and it's fucking mint. So you go online on the Tesla website, you just book in like a slot you can make, turn up at the place and they just look at your driving license for a split second, get you in the car and you can just fucking rag it. And it's just amazing, costs you nothing. They don't try and do a hard sell, man. It's like the Apple store, they're like, hey man, just try it out, it's cool. Like me and my bird were doing one in, in Brisbane, Australia and fucking hell, she ragged the shit out of it. I was like, whoa, 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 baby. This car's good, right? I'm like, yeah, but we're still in the fucking wet. And it was like raining down and she's just ragging it around this roundabout. Even the guys started to panic like, oh, the computer system's telling you to chill out now. But that's what my bird's like, man. Once she gets into something, she's always like timid at first, but once she gets into it, you can't stop her. Like I took her to Vegas once to the gun store. You know the gun store, you can shoot actual guns, like proper massive guns. And like I paid $200 for the both of us. And she got in the room and they're all firing away and stuff. And straight away she's panicking. Oh, monkey, I want to get out. I don't trust it, monkey. Like she thought some American was just going to turn on and start shooting her for no reason. I'm like, don't worry, baby. This is not a school. No one's going to shoot up people in here. Anyway, right, she, was, she just wanted to get out. And she refused to shoot at first. And I'm, that's why I used the cheapskatedness against her. I was like, listen, darling, we paid $200. Remember when you snapped off the back of the broccoli trying to save 2p? Well, if you walk out of this room, you're going to lose $200. I tell you, man, straight away she picked up the gun, right? She shot like two bullets of a magnum. And at first she went like, ah, ah, like shooting it. And the kickback was like scaring her and stuff. But then after about three or four more bullets, man, by the end, you couldn't get her fucking out of there, man. She was addicted. She's like, give me a machine gun, give me a machine gun, right? And chicks never know anything about the cost of bullets and stuff. That's like man stuff to know, right? 50p a bullet, what the fuck, right? They just think it's just like, oh, it's nothing. She had an AK-47. She went through like 50 rounds in a minute. She had the 50 round clip like fucking ice tube, right? Fucking give me that 50, boom, like, nailed it. She had an M16, which is what the Americans use in the fucking war and shit. Give me that. I was like, gee, I've created a monster. Created a fucking monster. I'll tell you, you couldn't trust my bird with a gun, man. Because don't forget as well, she's Brazilian, right? And she, she once was in Brazil and got held up at gunpoint. And thank God she didn't have her own weapon, man. This is what happened. She lives on an island called Florinopolis, right? It's like a surfer's paradise island on the east side of Brazil. Proper mint, right? But everywhere in Brazil, they always have the dodgy parts. Anyway, she's walking down the street about five in the evening. Sun's going down with the mum and stuff. And there's like two guys are about 10 feet ahead of her walking along this pavement. And suddenly they just turn around, pull a gun out, put it right to her face and go, give me your phone. And straight away she's just like, uh, and then her mum might pull out. They didn't have any phones on them because like, they don't walk out with phones sometimes just for safety. So her mum luckily had some money on her, just pulled out the equivalent of 20 quid and went, here, take this. The guy then took it. And then as he's walking off, like in front of her head, they carried on in the same direction. To which my bird then said, monkey, if I had a gun then, I would have shot him right in the back. <laughs> 
like, really, babe? Jesus. I guess you would, though, wouldn't you, man? You'd be like, fuck this shit. Jesus, man. When she first told me that news, I was back in England. And I was writing the actual book itself, right? And I, I was on my own and I was getting loads of writing done. And she's phoning me from Brazil and she was all gutted about it. She didn't want to say anything. And, and I'm like, are you getting on Brazil? And she's like, I want to come home, I want to come home. Like that, right? And she'd not told me a fucking word about this story. But I was writing so much. I was like, stay there, baby. It's me. Honestly, you don't realise I'm, I'm managing to do loads of chapters. It's coming out of me. I'm doing amazing. I know, but I want to come. Right? I was like, oh, fine, come on then. So like she flew, took an early flight home. I picked her up from the airport. As soon as I picked her up, she just burst right into tears. Like, what's that monkey? I was the combine. Man, I felt well guilty, man. Proper sorry for her. But yeah, it was more common than you think. Like, as soon as she got back to Brighton, I started telling all the Brazilian friends. They thought nothing of it. They're like, that's nothing, man. I've been kidnapped three times. One of them was kidnapped for 12 hours. Could you imagine that? Tell you, man, they got so many mad stories. One of them, it was like this guy was trying to track her down in the forest or something. Pinned her down to, to do some nasty work, man. And she had a knife in her ankle. Pulled it out. Stabbed the shit out of him in his shoulder. And he just disappeared. He was never found in the hospitals or anything. So God knows what happens there, man. But Brazil's a crazy place, man. Good asses. Maybe clean asses like the Chinese with them toilets. I don't know. I've got no idea. <laughs> Do they have those toilets? Fucking hell. I blocked the toilet in Rio once, man. I was in Rio de Janeiro, right? And you can't put the toilet paper in the toilet. You have to put it in a bin at the side like in Greece. And uh, I was like, sack that, man. Because it takes a while to get used to it being English. So I just put it straight in the toilet. Pressed the flush. Blocked it instantly. Blocked it fucking instantly, man, on the Copacabana beach. You know all those romantic songs? Oh, the Copacabana. Yeah, I was in the Sofia Hotel at the end, blocking the shit out of the toilet on the second floor. <laughs> it was so bad, man. I went in the wardrobe, tried to find a coat hanger to poke it down, didn't do anything. I had to just phone reception the end and go, listen, I've just come in the room, just checked in, and this toilet's blocked. And they knew it was me. They totally knew it was me. I was like a proper English guy. I don't know the toilet paper got there. Fucking hell. Tell you, man, Brazil's proper scary, man. Proper, like the last time me, me and my wife went there, they were changing over presidents, right? And it was really crazy at the time. Like the cops had sold guns to the drug dealers. Proper dangerous. And uh, it made me paranoid. Like my wife was even getting paranoid. She says, listen, Mike, when we come out of the airport in Rio, because it was like nighttime, we're waiting to get an overnight flight to get one the next morning to where she lives, which meant we were going to have to stay in this motel down the road. So this is what she said to me. She says, Michael, I don't want anyone knowing you're a tourist. So when we come out of the airport, whatever you do, don't, Speak to me in English. In fact, don't even speak to me in Portuguese. And I'm like, don't worry, babe. I don't speak Portuguese. <laughs> I don't, all I know is like Nando's, peri peri sauce or some shit. Fucking hell. So anyway, we get to this motel, which is right on the Farage of town. My wife chose it because she said it was cheaper, right? But it's midnight. We go to check in. Anyway, the guy in reception doesn't have our booking at all. Like, I don't know what happened there. So we're like thinking, what do we do, man? This is like middle of the night. We can't just leave. Anyway, he says, don't worry, man. Don't worry. We can sort you out with this room in this annex building that we've got. So they sent us to this other total separate building. Like no one else was in it. Just us. Just like one ground floor. We're walking down the corridor. Our room was right at the end. Then we go to unlock the door. And there's this window, this giant window on the ground floor in the corridor that just is open to this favela that's like at the back of it. And I was thinking, what the fuck? Like, like no one knows. If anything went down in this building, no one, not receptionist, nobody would know. It would just be us and whoever comes to like kill us. So the window, I tried to shut it, but I couldn't shut it because it was like rusted open. But it was so late at night, I thought, ah, oh, sack it, man. It must be like this all the time. Let's just go to bed. So we go in our room. 
we start going to sleep, man, drifting off. Gets to like two, three in the morning. We're just drifting off slowly. And then suddenly we get woken up with this scream, this like shrill, this God awful shrill. It's like, ah, ah, ah. We're like, what the fuck? I woke up, I looked at my wife, like, what is it? She looked back at me, she went, don't move, don't move. Don't turn the lights on, don't move. It basically sounded like someone had climbed in that window and was like robbing the room right next to us, man. Like, and they were going to systematically burgle every single room in that place. So we're just lying there thinking, oh fuck, oh fuck, we're going to get murdered next. Anyway, as we're lying there, <laughs> panicking. Suddenly, the scream changes, right? To like this total different thing. He goes, ah, ah, oh, oh, oh. I thought, man, who the fuck makes that noise during lovemaking? Like, like, if I was going to shag any one of you ladies, man, and my penis went in your vagina and you started coming out with that fucking god-awful shrill, ah, ah, my penis would literally snap back out, look you dead in the eye and go, what are you doing? Why are you making that fucking noise? I mean, gee, it sounded like the guy must have been shagging with razor blades and then just put a bit of lube on, like, ah, oh, oh, I feel so much better now. <laughs> it's fucking lube. But I was thinking, I was like, what would you do if that really was a murderer? You know, they start knocking on our door next. Like in this coronavirus, man, you've got no fucking weapons. Your only defense like, leave me alone, I'm fucking isolated. Like, you might rub me now, but in 14 days you'll be sorry. Because that's when you're going to find out, fella. I'm fucking shedding. Jesus, that's all you can do. Anyway, let's get to this twisted dental story. Chapter 8, A Bad Fit. It turned out that faking being a drummer would be the least of my worries as five months from today I'd be seeing myself getting sacked for stripping naked in front of Clive and his staff. <laughs> yeah, this was, this was all my fault. <laughs> right now though, I wasn't to know this. On Monday, 8.45, having had to wait a further six weeks just so the primary care trust, their people that regulate NHS dental practices, could process all the paperwork needed for a new dentist to work in their borough. I was desperate to get stuck in. Yeah, this chapter describes what it was like starting there on my first day. And I've got to be honest, man, it was fucking miserable. So imagine this. I've not been there for nearly two months. First people I meet as I walk in the door is these receptionists. I'm like, hi, open like, you know, when you like start a new place, you think the team are going to welcome you like, hi, I'm the new dentist. Straight away, they're just like, yeah, go see a vet, the manager. So I'm like, all right. So then I see her. She shows around the surgery. And this when I meet this nurse, man. And my God, if you've ever like a colleague that you've ever worked with, you think this person is just going to kill my soul. This girl was it, man. She was like in her 40s, this Asian girl. And she was fucking so like grim every single day. She just wanted to do the least amount of work. And like, it was just killing me. This is how much it was killing me. We treat patients. And the nurse is supposed to aspirate, like use that sucky thing to suck out all the saliva and like get all the dental equipment and stuff. And she was so fucking lazy that she just used one arm to do everything. Both her arms worked, right? But she just did the bare minimum. So this one arm that she used to aspirate was actually slightly different in size than the other. It's like you ever seen professional tennis, you know, because like they're nailing it with the right hand or whatever. And you see one hand like Quagmire when he's like discovered porn is jerking off. One arm is dead muscly and the other one that they just use swinging around occasionally is proper like thin compared. This <laughs> bird was like that, man. She had like one fat arm that just fucking hung by the side because she thought I can't be fucking using my left arm. And then the other right arm, she just tipped into the patient's mouth. And that was like a little bit slimmer than the fat arm because she occasionally used it. I'm like, oh my God. And I tried getting her going. I tried like, you know, being making her happy in that. So I went to make her a cup of tea on day one. 
and and like you know how people are with the fucking with the cups and shit. I just made this cup of tea in a random cup. Turner went, I have made your cup of tea. Straight away, she complained, that's not my cup. Oh, suck a fucking dick, man. Jesus, it was so... And, and everyone was like this. Everyone in the practice, like all those rah-rah jokes back in the restaurant, just bared into no comparison compared to fucking how it was in the in the workplace. Like, So I even met one of the dentists there, and he's in the break room as well, and he's like, all drinking this protein shake because he's like one of them gym bunny dudes. And I thought as a lad, we'd have like a laddish conversation, like, hey man, how's it going? You buzzed in. I was like, oh, Penny's pretty fit, isn't she? This other dentist. And fucking, this is how much I put my foot in Because like, he goes, wow, what do you think of her? And he's like, got this American accent, even though he's from New Zealand. I went, yeah, she's pretty fit, man. I'd shag her. <laughs> right? Because that's what fucking guys say. Whether you like it or not, ladies, that's what guys chat. And I know you chat the same, like, yeah, suck that guy's dick. I don't know what you say, but you know. So I put my foot in because he goes, yeah, I'd shag her. And he fucking, he, he got all upset. He goes, that's my girlfriend. I'm like, Imagine that on day one. I'm like, how'd you backtrack out of that one? No, I wouldn't shag her because then you're screwed as well. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, man, sorry. I better go make this cup of tea, bye. Fucking, we even had a meeting as well. And like Clive was there with the vet and this classic miserable place. They're just going on about shit that has nothing to do with anything important. They're like, someone's been putting paper towels down the toilet again. And you're like, is this really fucking our problem? Like you've got a sign in the toilet, clearly no dentists or staff are putting paper towels down if they've been here for ages. It's the patients. So how do you propose we fix that, man? What, like the sign's already there. It's just bad luck. Like, what do you want us to do? Go in there and fucking say, hey, you using toilet paper on your ass? Should get a Chinese toilet, man. You'd be fucking loving that shit. They got the arm out sprayer. <laughs> So yeah, so I had to work with this with this bird. It's called Bilgy as well. What a name, man. Sound like a bilge pump off a boat, you know. <laughs> Suck water and shit. I had to work with her, right? And I'm just getting really more like miserable day by day. The weeks are going by. And I just adopt the same miserable tone that everyone else has got. And eventually I get the best news going, man. Yvette, the manager, comes to me and says, listen, Bilgy is transferring to reception. So you've now got a new nurse. And this is how the chapter ends. It says, finally, someone's going to save my soul and save my sanity. Enter the girl that would change my life. Enter Tisha. Yeah, this girl was a legend. You're listening to the Hackett Racket with Michael Hackett. (laughs) 